Welcome to the Thought Leader Podcast. I'm Dr. Kent. And I'm Randy Baker. And on the Thought Leader Podcast, we search the world for interesting and fascinating and sometimes remarkably smart guests who are going to challenge the way you think, they're going to inform you of things that you may not have thought about, and they're going to ignite your imagination as we discuss all sorts of topics. All right, without further ado... I have to ask you this just because your name lines up beautifully. There has to be a brand in here that there's L-M-N-O-P and the no between the L-M and the P. (laughs) There's no 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 in Lisa Marie Platsky. Is that too forced, too weird? There's not. There's not. (laughs) No one's ever said that to you before? Never, never in my entire life. There you go. So tell us a little bit about um, all the magic. Um, Clearly, um, you you speak a lot, uh, given the world kind of opening up and everything else. But where have things been? Where are things going? Um, What's been going on? Well, the the speaking, certainly the speaking world has changed and having things online is is very different than being in person. Yeah, I did quite a few in-person events this past year. So it's not like I my travel really stopped from, from June on. It's just depending on the venue. And, uh, you know, I didn't say it at the beginning. I just want to say you know, thanks, Kent and Randy, for having me here. I just really appreciate, appreciate you. The world continues to change and my my work in transformation and evolution also evolves and and grows and changes so i understand you had a career in law enforcement before you started here your coaching i did i did spent over 10 years in law enforcement and started off on the piers in new york and was definitely not expecting to leave law enforcement. I loved it. I loved my career there. Uh, It was challenging and the guys did not want to work with me early on. They called me hair and nails. They definitely did not know what to do with me. And I had to really learn my voice and learn how to speak up for myself being in law enforcement. But it it was a wonderful leadership experience for me. So the, the hair and nails, I, it almost feels like um, in MASH, whatever they used to call, I forget what her <laughs> name was, but it's, it's almost, so I'm, I'm really curious about that. Give us some context around it. Cause obviously yeah. in their minds, oh, we're just playing around, but it's not just playing around. No, right? no. You know, I had, I had long red, white, and blue nails and, you know, I had, I had long blonde hair and I'd be on the piers in New York and I was an anomaly. In, in, in 1994, there were no women's bathrooms. So it wasn't like you wow. went, it's not like this was decades ago or a long, long, long time ago. So there was this strangeness about seeing me on the piers walking around and I would get weird comments from people and the guys would, would call me hair and nails. And what I thought was so fascinating about that is that in previous experiences, when I had worked in banking or when I was in school, 
the expectation was that I was competent. And when I was on the job, I wasn't expected to be competent. I was expected to be compassionate because I was, because I was female. And that was really interesting. So they didn't see me for my intelligence or my ability to problem solve or most of the guys, I shouldn't say, you know, it's definitely not all. Most of the guys saw me for the external appearance and they saw me for the, the, the long nails and for my really cute boots and for my, because I opted for that, the guest sneakers instead of the leather boots they gave you, which were Wait, hold on. You were allowed to have cool shoes as so, a Well, cop? you weren't. <laughs> I didn't know better. Okay, that's the other thing. I didn't know better. I didn't know that I was breaking the rules or that there were these unwritten rules that just, you know, it doesn't say we're ugly black boots. It's just, that's part of the uniform. It's just, why not? These are more comfortable. They're black. They're high tops. <laughs> why can't I wear them? So to dive right into, I mean, kind of on, on my side of the shop, Randy likes to pry into people's kind of pocketbooks a little bit, Bus not really, but business-wise to think about kind of the whole business. But I love to talk about the branding and clearly from day one, you were an influencer before they called it that, right? Like people would see you. I mean, you weren't quite like the guy in Times Square with the with the American flag uh, <laughs> thing and the guitar. But but in the same way, you were somebody that when, when people saw you, they probably were like, whoa, can I take my picture with you? Or can I can I talk to you? Or can I be like you? That speaks to reputation and branding and so on. But how, how have you changed through the years? Well, I didn't realize how important it was to, that there's such a big difference between being seen, being heard, being recognized and being rewarded. And when I was on the job and I shared that the, the guys weren't, they weren't so happy with, with me being there. You're right. There, there was an element where people outside or when I got sent to speaking engagements, people wanted to take the pictures and they loved all of that. And so for me, I went to a, a course and took an assessment and the assessment came back and the instructor announced to the class in this leadership program that I was a zero, a zero in this interpersonal skills assessment. And it was not a safe space for me to receive this. It was an awful experience. It was very painful. And what it did was it had me go, okay, Lisa, so... You might be strong and tough. You might be smart and right, but you're going to be alone and dead because these guys don't really want to work with you. And so that had me change really how I saw the necessity to being seen, to being heard, to being recognized, to being rewarded and to create a brand that allows people to fall in love with who I am as a person, as a leader. And it led me to then teach at the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center. It led me to becoming more curious about others in what they do. It led me to putting things on my, on my resume and on my, in, in what I was doing and sharing it, pieces of me that I were previously hidden. And that, that level of vulnerability then in business allowed me to share things that I, would have thought before were not acceptable to share, that are really the evolution of me as a human being and also the brand of the business that I have. So that comfort level with stepping up, 
and speaking up and using my voice and also getting out of the comfort zone and into the vulnerable space of things that seem off topic or unnecessary. So I, I can understand your 10, I, I can understand your journey from law enforcement to speaker, coach, trainer area. I can understand the, that, that journey and how being part of law enforcement gave you reason to become somebody different. I'd like to delve into why you went into law enforcement in the first place and where you got your new nickname when you left. <laughs> he, wants, he wants to hear you say it out loud, I think. Yeah, is... I do. <laughs> well, that's a great question. Like, why did I go there in the first place? And as a kid, I called the police fairly regularly for domestic violence incidents. Mm. And so growing up with somebody who had six sets of step parents and had, it's such a hard piece because I recognize how much my mom loved me. And yet domestic violence is a really hard topic. And, and so police were people who came in and did good things. They came in and they rescued my sister and I. I would tell her to pack her little blue suitcase and they're going to come and take us away and they're going to take us someplace safe. And it was that where I remember thinking about a co I wasn't even going to go to college. Like nobody in my family went to college. So college was like not even an I not even a thought. And it was a friend of mine in high school who said, you know, well, what about college? And I was like, kids like me don't go to college. And then it was, okay, well, what are you going to major? And everybody asks this question to every kid who's 17 or 18 and going into college. Like, what are you going to major in? It's like, what am I going to major in? I don't even, I, you know, I'm, I'm just looking how to, how to stay alive and how to thrive. Like, I, I can't even major in, like, for forever. It just seemed re like a ridiculous question. And so I heard of some kid that, my mom was friends with that majored in criminal justice. And like I said, for me, that was a place where it was like, it was safety. And in addition to safety, it was also a place where there was an element for me of proving myself that I could make it in a man's world because so much around me was around this masculine energy and it not being necessarily positive. So for me, it was, you know, I can do this and I, you know, I can be the, the best shot and I can be the best at my firearm and I can teach at the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center. I can do all of these things because I'm strong and competent and capable. And when I went in, yeah, I was I was I was negative Nancy because I was the person who could see all the things that were wrong and not all the things that were right. And when I left, I was Mary F in sunshine, Randy. I was Mary <laughs> F in sunshine. <laughs> awesome. I could hear some of the New York attitude come out in that phrase. I love it. <laughs> Just that little bit of attitude. So so diving into the the child yeah, diving into the childhood stuff, your mother cared for you and loved you despite all the challenges. Mm -hmm. What else about, you know, where you grew up? sort of embraced you and taught you to be a speaker, taught you to be a, a, a hustler, a coach, a, a trainer, a cop, all the things, and with a boss attitude. Well, 
When I was nine years old, I was sitting watching Merv Griffin with my grandfather, and I suppose he was the Oprah of, you know, of the day, if you will. And people, there was just something about Merv Griffin, just the gathering around and sitting in my grandparents' living room. And my grandfather had a certain rhythm of what he watched on TV. There was, you know, there was Tuesday night fights. There was John Wayne movies. I mean, I grew up thinking every kid, you know, that this was their, what they were intaking. I didn't know any different. And one day Merv had a speaker on interviewing and the speaker had just come off of speaking to thousands of people. And my grandfather, my sister and I were sitting playing connect four in the corner, just a little game that you put these things in, maybe just kind of like bingo and my sister's three years younger. And he turned to me and he said, Lisa, Lisa, someday this will be you. Someday you will, be, you will speak to thousands of people because you change the energy in the room every time you walk in it. And I went, I'm nine. <laughs> you know, I remember saying that. I remember being like, this is ridiculous. And my grandfather was a little bit like Columbo. And how he spoke were in these small phrases and they were cryptic quotes and they meant something else. And so you had to often weave your way through the conversation to figure out what the heck he was trying to say. But it really stuck with me that there was something for me to do. And the element about the growing up with the childhood was that being able to give voice to the voiceless has been a big piece of the work that's of what's most important about the leadership work I do. It's not important to me to give people all the tactical steps. That's, that's wonderful. It's more important for me that they truly get a sense of the courageous, vulnerable, feminine leader that's capable of making a difference in ways that go far beyond the, the checking the boxes of how to do something well. The, the who you're being speaks so much louder. Wow. So, and it, I mean, it's a little weird to ask the question, but I, I, I kind of wonder what your grandfather would think of you and the things you've done. Like what would, what would his perspective on that stuff be nowadays? Yeah. I'm, I, you know, my grandfather has been gone for many years. Um, and, it, he, I still carry a piece of him with me because he was such a positive male role model for me. And he taught me fishing and things that were useful in law enforcement, like playing pool and things like that. And what I would say is if you were around here, we would only get the crypto quotes. I still wouldn't get the clear message. He's not a guy that said, I love you. He's not a guy that he, he gave you, you know, the, the crypto quotes. And I, I would, when I am in communication with him, because I, I still talk to him in, in prayer, what I hear is, you done good. You done good, girl. Like, that's, that's the message. And as I say that, it, it almost moves me to tears. Because he just, he, saying that is like saying so, so, so much. Because he's just not a man of many words. So this is going to sound like a very weird question. You've done good, which is fabulous. Tell me about the name of your, your company, Upside Thinking, because I think of Upside as where you get better or 
more likely I get hit upside the head because I deserve it. <laughs> Where did that name come from? I love it, Randy. I love it. And, you know, upside, upside thinking is the reason why the company was named that is because so often people talk about positive thinking. And I think that positive thinking sometimes can be like, taking cat food and putting hot fudge on it and saying, ooh, isn't this yummy? You should eat it anyway. And it's like, no, there's something really oh, crummy right. under there. And no, like just because you dump something pretty on top of it doesn't make it positive and it doesn't make it easily digestible for me. The upside in, in pieces are that even if you are knocked upside your head, so to speak, that there's always something in it for you. And Everything that looked like a curse to me, everything that happened turned out to be the greatest gift for me. You know, I can say that, do I wish it on anybody when I think back to that little girl and ever having gotten thrown down a flight of steps? Can I wish that on anybody? No. And yet what it gave me is the ability to be a deeply compassionate human being and to have great forgiveness and mercy. And without those experiences, I could not be the leader that I am today, nor could I go into organizations and tell people that, you know, they're dealing with far more than somebody who has a title of X. They're dealing with their past experiences and, their, and, and to be in the humanity of leadership is very different. And so to be so upside for me is not life is all positive and turn, you know, we, we turn, you know, lemons into lemonade. It's to go, there is an upside in there. And maybe you don't see it today. And maybe you don't see it tomorrow or three months from now. There have been people who've been stolen money, who've come on stage and done things to me. There have been just over the last 16 years of business some things that have been horrible. And I've also experienced horrific, the horrific side of humanity. And still, still, I believe in the good of the individual and that people do the best they can with where they are. And to me, that's the upside. I love that. I, I just thought about the lemons and lemonade thing. The way you're talking, I'm thinking, oh, yeah. When you look at a lemon, you're like, that's a beautiful fruit. And if you taste it, it's actually really great without the sugar. So like, yeah, screw the lemonade. <laughs> Lemons are great, you know? Yeah. So uh, Lisa, Lisa Murray, wonderful to chat with you. We like to keep interviews short and punchy. So you've given us a, a whole landscape of ideas in this short time. Where can folks find you? Uh, what are you up to? I know you've got some amazing things planned. And what's your yeah your message for people to kind of hold close? Thank you. Thank you. Well, where they can find me is www.upsidethinking.com, U-P-S-I-D-E, and the word thinking, T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G.com, upsidethinking.com. The biggest thing that I've got coming up is Design Your Destiny Live, which I host every year. It's my event. You can, you can get more online. And also the other part is that there is a, uh, an influential leadership blueprint that if you walk through, it's easy peasy. It's always my gift because I believe so much in influence. And if every single person would actually fully step into whatever they're here to do on the planet, the world would be a much better place. It would be a much happier place. 
And the message that I have is the world needs you and your brilliance. It's not a mantra. It's not a tagline of mine. It's that the world needs you and your brilliance. And you're here for a reason and you're here now for a reason. And so whatever it is, the world needs it. Somebody else needs it. And so it's your responsibility to get out and to lead because life is change. Growth is optional and you get to choose wisely. So lead, lead from an upside place. Life is change. Growth is optional. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much for talking with Thanks. us. Thanks, Kent. Thanks, Randy. Appreciate being here. This has been such a wonderful conversation today. It was surprising. It was intriguing. It was interesting. And this is just an example of the types of guests that we have on the Thought Leader podcast. And we would love you to subscribe so you get to hear the next issue. Or you can visit our, our website. Our website is thoughtpartnergroup.com. And at the top, you'll see a little button that says, take the assessment. In one minute, you can take the assessment and get a response from us. We'll read everyone. All right. Take care. Have a good life. And we'll see you on the next one. Thank you.